Kia ora, hello, and welcome to Liberty Now, the podcast for discerning minds and common sense. We seek the truth, and we can think for ourselves. I'll be here dropping truth bombs and talking about stuff that matters to all of us who care about freedom and liberty. I'm your host, John Verd. Thank you for stopping by. Please be sure to subscribe and get the show notes for this episode at libertynow.com. All right, my guest today is J.J. Carell, retired U.S. Border Patrol agent and author. His book, Invaded, is about what he calls the intentional destruction of the American immigration system. Carell has been a guest on several nationally syndicated radio shows and television networks, including Newsmax and Fox News. He has become an expert on border issues and the criminal acts by Biden, his administration, and the DHS machine. Carell is unafraid to speak the truth and is unapologetically patriotic. I couldn't agree with you more. I am too. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me, and I'm very excited about speaking to you today about something that I feel is the number one threat against America. Yeah, boy, and uh, I've just recently in another episode was talking about, you know, all the threats that face us, uh, just, you know, everything, everywhere, all at once, and it just really gets overwhelming, but um, th this is a real thing. The border, would you agree there's a border crisis? Oh, it's, it's beyond anything that you can even fathom uh, what is transpiring. You had uh, DHS Secretary Mayorkas uh, on Tuesday uh, in front of Congress, and they asked him, is the border secure? And the man lied again for about the third or fourth time under congressional oath and said, yes, the border is as secure as it could be. Today. I, it, That's a, it, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It is shocking. It, it is just under oath, complete lies. Uh, yes. And, and I, I just continue to be amazed how they get away with it. There's just zero well, think, accountability. Yeah, but I think there is a complicity to it. Uh, you're supposed to have equal but separate branches of government. And the, sec the executive branch is running immigration. And the Constitution explicitly states that it's under Congress. Congress is impotent. Congress has no teeth. And they've abdicated all rule of law to the executive branch, which is against the Constitution. That's why you're seeing Mayorkas and, and Biden so emboldened. And when I say Biden, let me just be clear. I don't believe he knows what planet he's on. <laughs> so when I say Biden, I say the people in his cabinet that are running DHS and, and other aspects of it. Right. Yeah, I, I think he's very much a dog king, uh, if you've heard that term before. Um, just put there to humiliate us and, and just sign off whatever they want. He's, I, I don't think he's really in charge either, much less actually was voted in. But that's another issue. Yeah. Um, so, uh, JJ, uh, a little bit about your background. Um, how long did you serve as a Border Patrol agent and uh, what got you interested in that? Well, what got, got me interested in it was my father was a Secret Service agent uh, spanning multiple presidential details, uh, administrations, and he was very successful. I played college football on scholarship. I wanted, I wanted that camaraderie, that teamwork, and I knew I wanted to emulate my father because he was my hero. Nice. Um, but I knew I didn't want to get into uh, the Secret Service. 
the Border Patrol was hiring at the time. My father said, hey, you'd be outside all the time and everything is very uh, gritty. And But when you get done in three years, if you don't like it, every agency, every federal agency will come and poach you out of the Border Patrol. My father had several Border Patrol agents work under him and it, those were his go-to guys. Nice. So I came out of college, uh, applied for the Border Patrol. It's a very rigorous uh, time. I got in, I got my first assignment was Imperial Beach Station, which is the southwesternmost point of the United States. And we patrolled six miles to San Jacinto Port of Entry. And then about five or six years of that, I, I patrolled the other five miles uh, between Otay Mesa Port of Entry and San Jacinto Port of Entry. Um, I was there as a, a journeyman agent and then, then promoted as supervisor. I ran ATV units. Um, it was the most violent time in recent Border Patrol history when I was there. Uh, every kind of assault you can imagine on a daily basis. It was a war zone. Wow. But strangely, I loved it. My guys <laughs> and I loved it. Um, it was just, I'd put on my helmet, get on my ATV with my 10 guys, and we had patrol anywhere from 6 to 11 miles. And the moment that we drove off that station parking lot, it was a war, and we were battling every day and every night. Yeah, what was, what, what was a typical day like? What did that look like? Uh, the typical day down in San Isidro, if you can imagine, when you leave the Border Patrol station, you go down like a hill, you can see the whole border in front of you, and that Mexico has, in the center of Tijuana, has a, a Mexican flag. It must be 100, 150 feet long. Wow. It just flaps in the wind. So as you're driving down, it's just a reminder, okay, here we go. We're going to battle. And people would cross. The smugglers were brutal. Uh, where I worked, everyone that finished their prison sentence in the United States of America that, was, that were illegal would be driven down to San Jacinto Port of Entry and deported through it, a, a, literally a gate. We open a gate and push them through. So, and they would come back around. They weren't going to go back down to, uh, you know, Guanajuato or Michoacan. They were going to come back to America. Yeah. And so every, everyone that we arrested was just like president Trump said, when he came down the escalator, rapists, murders, pedophiles, gang members, drug dealers. That's all I arrested for 10 years straight on the border. I thought uh, they were all God's children, according to Nancy oh, Pelosi. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when you do, when you, I, in my book, I wrote a chapter and it's titled The Standing Army of Criminal Illegal Aliens, A Standing Army. And I show through DOJ, uh, prison records, et cetera, and data that we have a standing army of millions of illegal alien criminals in our country that we don't arrest anymore. They're just floating around. So right. when you see this huge crime wave in America, it's a direct, you can draw, draw a direct line to the, num, the numerous and endless criminal aliens in our nation. Um, I ended my career uh, in San Clemente Station, which yep. is in Southern California, and I ran a, uh, a maritime unit that took down maritime human and narcotic smuggling on the coastline. We were extremely successful. We were the first of its kind, which is rare and unique. Um, and then I took a promotion and ended my career in Marietta Border Patrol Station, which is a northern station from the border, uh, and I ended as a deputy patrol agent in charge. And why I say that is because it gives me a very unique perspective of what's going on. 
not, I wasn't a public information officer or administrator. I was down in the weeds fighting exactly what the policies that were coming down from, from up top. And right. I was a senior leader. So I have a 30,000 foot view. So you also had access to, to documents and records that some of the other agents may not have. And, and you're not just Correct. making a, a visual judgment about these people. You are seeing like repeat offenders and criminals coming through. Uh, we call it red bars. We type in the individual's uh, biographical data, put their fingerprints up. And then on the screen, like I'm looking at my computer right now, would pop up. It's called a red bar. And that would that would notify us that it was either a prior deport or a criminal on some kind of watch list or once in warrants. That was a daily event times wow. 10, 20, 100. And you're at just one station. station. Right. Um, obviously, you would say that the border is uh, less secure than it has been in the past. Um, w when do you think it became like really bad or as bad as it is now? Well, at first, I want to go back and tell you my whole career, I was losing. We were losing. Every president, Republican, Democrat, I was losing, except when President Trump came into office. President Trump shut, literally shut the border down through multiple and multiple avenues. He did it. And we can go into that if you like. But he shut it down. Yeah. I'll give you an example. In a 24-hour period, which I'd get to reports over the United States of America, he would, we would arrest 150 to 450 people. In a 24-hour period, wow. that's nothing. That's absolutely nothing. The day Biden right. gets elected, we see the numbers skyrocket. And when he comes in his first day in office, we are now arresting over 5,000 people. You, are you kidding me? No. It was, oh, it was like that that fast. Well, I mean, and we knew. He, he, so he, knew he said, like, surge the border, right? He, he said before he was elected, before he got into the White House, he says, you know, Come up, surge the border. You deserve to be heard. Yes. Apparently seen. So now, and but you got it. So when you hear Mayorkas say, our border secure, we have it under control. Let me just give your, your audience just some, some hard data that's not in dispute. Since Biden's been taken office for the 30 months or so, he, the Border Patrol, has arrested almost 7,000 people in 30 months. <laughs> with the vast majority of them being released into America. Now, right. that's scary enough, John, but when you think, when you know the data that I know and my experience, I have sources that are telling me, and it's been, I've seen it documented in other, other sources as well. There are hundreds of miles of the Southern border with not one border patrol agent working, not one. Wow. So we Just know empty. that the, we call them, yeah, we, we empty. So we call them getaways, right? People that uh, cross the border undetected, abscond. The federal government is claiming that it's under 2 million. If you ask any border patrol agent, now that's grotesque in itself. 2 million. You have no idea who 2 million people are. Right. I'm telling right. you the number is closer to 10 million. Wow. It's 8 to 10 million people across the border. That's becoming a and percentage of a conservative number. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And you, you say this is, uh, this is deliberate. I guess you could say that uh, just with that transition of power in the White House, that would be something that would make it pretty obvious to you. Uh, what else convinced you of this, that it's deliberate? There's many, there's many ways that Mayorkas is the tip of the spear. 
Okay, he's the secretary of DHS, but he didn't show up on scene. He was the, the director of USCIS, which is a powerful entity in immigration, Citizenship and Immigration Services. Then he became the deputy secretary under Biden, excuse me, under Obama, and then he came to Biden. He is the architect of everything we're seeing today. He created and implemented DACA. He implemented wow. and created the prosecutorial discretion, which allowed everyone in America that was here illegally in the interior under Obama to be free. We would we could not deport him. Right. So discretion. Ask me. Yeah, it's it's insane. But I see him. He bastardized immigration parole. This is a big this is a very big issue that he's done and nobody's truly calling him on it. A few congressmen and senators are. So in state and federal prison systems, we offer parole. We parole someone out, say, okay, I'm going to let you out of your jail, jail sentence if you do these several things, and then you'll be released. If you commit more crimes, drugs, et cetera, we're going to bring you back in and you're going to finish your, your sins. Immigration parole is not even that. Immigration parole is rarely used. I'm talking maybe 100 times a year, 200, yeah. where we would bring in material witnesses to crimes or somebody was needing some kind of medical assistance that only could be provided in America. And it was very rarely used and tightly, tightly supervised. But Biden, through Mayorkas, has now opened that avenue of parole to not mean anything. <laughs> Anybody comes in and they use it through a CBP-1 app where we are now allowing 43,000 illegal aliens to walk through our ports of entry with an iPhone with a, a barcode and, and a QR code and go, here I am, boop, and they let you go. Unbelievable. A month. A month. <laughs> but, John, this wow. is – it gets it, – it gets – if you start to connect the dots and understand, because you have to ask, if we're going to have a truly honest intellectual question, uh, discussion, we have to ask why. Why would our own government be doing right, this? Right, right. So let me just let me give you just one example. I believe the Democrats want votes through amnesty. Correct. Republicans through yep. the Chamber of Commerce want cheap labor and more money. I right. Get it. It's 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 simple. So let me just give you a, a pure example of. How you connect the dots. So let's say I'm a Haitian man. I, I cross with my wife and my two young kids. I will be paroled in to go to an asylum officer. I will not get a notice to appear. It's called NTA right. where I have to go see a judge. Okay. The court dates are now as far out as 2032. 2032. Wow. I release this person into America. And what is the document that I do not give this individual? I don't give him a work authorization document. So how is this man going to support his family? And the, the answer is he's going to go into the black market of labor. Right. And where, where we Americans are going to get cheaper labor and cheaper goods, which corporations make more money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm telling you right now that we have millions of people in America that are forced to work under the table for slave wages with no protections like a normal U.S. citizen has. I find that, as I was working under Biden's first year before I retired, I found it morally disgusting 
that this is oh absolutely as a nation that you know in fact um i was considering all the threats that a an unsecure border can bring us um of all the concerns and uh i hadn't really thought about that but of course it's the economic impact is going to have um huge implications for for everybody but uh among the other things, um, you know, drugs coming across the border, weapons, military-aged men or mercenaries, um, which I think is even more insidious, um, and then human trafficking. Um, wh- what is what is your biggest concern of all those? What do you think is the biggest threat? My two biggest threats, the two biggest threats, and I'll give you examples. First is the enormous amounts of criminal illegal aliens in our nation that are hard, hardcore felons, just rampaging through our nation. The second is is the enormous amount of terrorists that are going undetected into America. I believe, and I pray to God I'm wrong, I believe that there are thousands of terrorists in our nation. I'll give you an example. In Imperial Beach, my guys, my former colleagues and sources were sending me pictures and showing me for about six to eight weeks every day that there were a thousand African, continent of African individuals from Sudan, Somalia, Nigeria, Cameroon, you name it, all of them. They were all military age adult males, all right. of them. Every day they would take five to 700 out of the field and process them in a 24 hour period. The other 300 would stay and the cartels would push through another 700 African continent of African nationals. Out of that, that group, 50 of them would hit the terrorist watch list. Five were confirmed. Here's what's even crazier. So you, so the five were turned over to the joint terrorism task force. What happened to the other 45? Right. My sources tell me that the, we, if I got someone like that in my custody, I would call the Joint Terrorism Task Force. They would come down, and it would be a rigorous, rigorous interview. I would shoot it all the way up to D.C. It would come all the way back and fact-check for hours, maybe days. Right. The patrol was so overwhelmed, they didn't even show up to do the interviews. So You're kidding. So regular agents— we're doing interviews and making determinations that this guy's not a terrorist and we would release him. Unbelievable. Every single day. So now Mayorkas pats himself on the back and says, look, we've arrested 140 terrorists, known terrorists, this fiscal year. We have three more accounting months to go. That is almost double the last year's, which was 98. So we're at about 75, almost 100% doubling of it. Now, if you... Nice are so inclined to believe that every single terrorist that crossed the border was arrested, then you are willfully ignorant or you just don't want to know the truth, right? You just, or you're part of the problem. I'm telling you that there are hundreds of miles that there's no one on the border. And I'm telling you they're using CBP one apps that the cartels now are ruling over and they're just abusing our system. Right. We, we are at, the worst time in American history for vulnerability, absolute vulnerability. Yeah. And give you one more, John. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. One more. That's very important. Um, Our number one adversary is China. 
I believe we can all say that. Oh yeah, openly, right? Well, the, the Middle East they'll they'll tell you that themselves. They're coming yes. out and saying so they're it. number one. So I want you to understand that we are at like a three thousand percent increase in the number of Chinese nationals that were arrested. Over three thousand. Right. We're at thirteen thousand back in at the end of May. Thirteen thousand arrests of Chinese nationals. The majority were adult males. Right, and and none of the uh, women and children that we keep seeing on the news, right? That's that's yeah, all we see on the it, news. That's all you see to pull at your heartstrings. And I'm telling you, so you ask me, what's my two fears? The immense amount of criminal aliens in our nation, which we can't control, we don't have enough police, and the terrorism through China and through terrorists from the Middle East. And then you right. mentioned child. You mentioned trafficking, so I'm yeah. assuming you're saying child sex trafficking, yep. Sound of Freedom, the, the movie. Correct. That is real. That is absolutely real. And in my book, Invaded, I talk about the same same issues that Tim Ballard, who is the agent the the, the movie was uh, developed around. Wow. And he has said the same things that I've said. HHS, which is called their Health and Human Services, think of them like Child Protective Services for like the state of Texas, but for the national, they handle all unaccompanied alien children called UACs. Right. Under Biden term, he has already arrested over 400,000 of these UACs. Mayorkas under oath to Senator Blackburn from Tennessee admitted, yes, HHS has lost, as are his words, lost over 85,000 children. 85,000. And it's and not Ballard, because of any lack of effort on the, the behalf of the Border Patrol. I mean, you know, they want to do DNA testing, do they not? They do. And yet this month, Biden canceled that contract with a third party to do DNA testing. So, so, so we have no idea who they are. No, no. And here's here's a kicker. Those 85,000, which should be around over 100,000 now lost lost children, Thousands of them are five years and younger. Okay, unbelievable. They're, we're turning them over, and when I mean lost, so when you look at the testimony, he actually has to admit. And Javier Bracera, who's a joke, who's over HHS, they they admit we have no idea who they are. The kids, we have no idea. We don't know how to reach them, and we don't know who we gave them to. Wow. So wow. Think of this. Think if think if I went to the local elementary school right down the street and i just walked in at the end of the day and said yeah that little girl there susie <laughs> that's my daughter yeah and they go okay here you go right never to but, be seen again right there would be a national manhunt wouldn't there absolutely but but they won't do a thing to change it and they allow sexual trafficking to children or or la labor trafficking we're finding these kids working in meatpacking plants at midnight, 2 a.m. in Nebraska, cleaning up blood and guts. I'm, you know what really pisses me off, honestly, JJ, is, is when I hear the media try to spin things and call people who are trying to stop these crimes as racists and xenophobic, when you just illustrated right there, you know, they don't care, our agencies don't care. You, you care more than anything about these kids who are not American citizens, not uh, wasps, you know, coming across the border.
and you know you care about them just as much as our own kids, and and yet you get demonized as xenophobic. Well, here's the thing: I have a I have an 11 year old son. My 11 year old son's not going to work in a meatpacking plant at two o'clock in the morning. So if it's not okay for my son, then why is it okay for that Guatemalan kid that's 12 years exactly old to be working in there? Absolutely. Right? So all I'm saying to you, the government is. You can't continue to do this. Everyone else may be silent, but I'm not. I'm going to point it out and say, here is the data. It's indisputable. You've already admitted to it, but you do nothing to change it. Right. Here's the thing. People need to understand, too, because the very you're right. The very first thing they say, you're you're a white man. You're a racist. And my retort to that always is your ignorance is deafening. And you're a racist because you are assuming that everyone that is entering this border illegally is not white. Do you know, I always ask them, do you know how many countries are represented in the arrest logs of the U.S. Border Patrol? And they don't have any idea. They think Mexican nationals. Mexican nationals are the majority minority now, meaning over 50% of everyone arrest is not Mexican nationals. There are over 175 nations out of 195 represented in our arrest. So this is not, this is a demographic shift in America, but it is a demographic shift from non-citizens to citizens, not race or ethnicity. This is about our government using, a, to fundamentally transform America and they're using the immigration system to do it. Other Western nations are doing this as well in Europe. Right. And, and the thing is, like, you know, you're bringing all this up and, and it, it, somebody who, who's not really paying attention to the bigger picture would think that, you know, this is just um, incompetence or decay in the system that's been allowing this. But it's, it's very deliberate. In fact, we can go back to the writings um, in the 70s about uh, replacement migration plans from a long time ago. And it's, it's also very insidious in that these uh, people, it's, it's not just the increase in crime that we're seeing in the streets, but I, I am concerned that a lot of these, um, <clears throat> particularly the military-aged men, are being placed in like sleeper cells, and they're just waiting for some larger event. In the same way that we saw uh, probably 10 years ago, um, after the uh, invasion of Iraq, that these unused um, military vehicles were being deployed and given to uh, local sheriffs and police stations in these small towns who had no need for these things. There was, they were just giving them away at bargain basement prices or for free. And, and they have no need for these military vehicles. But I, I feel like they're just being placed. They don't care who's in control of them now because if there's an event, a major event then they've got everything, military weapons already deployed and ready. Well, you hit on a great point is that they're being placed. So let's just say that you and I are off base, which I don't believe we are. But let's just say we are. If you look at what happened to France the last, what is it, three weeks where they're burning their cities down. Right, right. right. They, they just burnt down a, a library, their, their largest library with writings and artwork, etc., back to 1100s. It's kind of like the equivalent of our uh, uh, Library of Congress. Can you imagine our Library of Congress being burnt down? Unbelievable. (laughs) But when you dig in, right, you dig into who these are, they were all illegal alien migrants. 
adult male migrants that were doing this. Right. And why were they doing this? Think, think if you're, I always like to look at their perspective. Let's look at what their perspective is. They were welcomed in to the Western society, right? given free hotels, food, money, cars, everything. And after a certain amount of time, they were now pushed down to the dregs of society where they have to work as slaves for the French, just like ours are working slaves for us. Right. They live in crappy houses, hovels. They have no food, no money. So all of these military age males are tired, dirty, hungry, and angry. Do you think they make a determination in France between the aristocrats, the elites, or the average Frenchman? No. They just look and go, all of them are bad. Right. There is coming a time, and I'm already seeing in New York and Chicago and Philadelphia, this is happening now in America. So once they all come in here and they are now relegated to slave status with no hope, they live in crappy houses, don't drive cars, they're they're angry, they're serving Americans. They're gonna get. They're gonna be a rise, a rise up. Right. It's not gonna be fun, and they're not gonna make a determination between you or me and the politician that did it. We're all right. in the same boat for them. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. Very good point. Um. So, uh, if if you're okay on time, uh, I'd like to hold yes. you over just for a few more questions, uh, going a little bit longer than I normally do, but this is just really compelling. Um. So. Can you recall a story or, or incident that really stands out in memory during your service for the Border Patrol, good or bad? Good or bad? Well, it's a story that uh, there's so many. I have so many uh, great moments in the Border Patrol. But one that stood out, uh, and I write about it in my book, is my father was like my hero. And... My father was gigantic. He was six foot four, 275 pounds. I'm 6'3", 220. I'm a pretty big man, but my father just even dominated me in his size, right? Yeah. The most loving man you'd ever want to meet, but a tough, right? Tough dude. And he asked me to go on a ride along. And I had been in the job about five years. And I was like, yeah, dad, I would love to show you. You know, every son wants to make his father proud. Yeah. So fast forward to the end of the day, we, we made a bunch of arrests and showed him, but then nightfall. And when night falls, everything changes, the, the tone, the way things look and smell. And yeah. I'll never forget, we're north of the border, north of the Tijuana River, which is a polluted waterway. And you can see the, the, the lights and the orange haze and the pollution overhanging and uh, in the, in the fog. And a sensor, ground sensor bangs off and a buddy is calling as he's tracking them. And he's saying, I have about 10 guys I'm tracking. I can see their footprints. They're heading to this place called the ghost trail. And if you can imagine the ghost trail is pitch dark, the trees are overhanging, the noises, it's eerily silent. Uh, it's like a horror movie. Oh, wow. You can't see your hand in front of your face. And I turn to my dad and I say, dad, they're coming right to us. Let's go, this is gonna be great. So my dad and I are walking to the ghost trail, the, the entrance to the ghost trail. And it's a, it looks like a black hole, like you see in space, because it's just pitch dark. And as we get closer, my dad grabs my arm. I'll never forget this. And, he's, he's, and he gets right up in my face. And he says, hold on a second. We're going to walk into that ghost trail, in that trail, and there's 10 men coming to us. Are you going to turn your light on? And I said, no, dad, no, no. They'll know that we're there. I said, just stand beside me. 
behind me and I'll take them all down and I'll, well, everything will be done quick. I t- try wow. to move and my dad grabs me again and he says, son, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. I am not going in there. Take me back to the truck. I have to wow. walk my father back to my vehicle. This is a man that would took, would have taken bullets for presidents. He would have done without hesitation. I know that he would react that way. Wow. I remember going back and making the arrest and standing there in the pitch dark, waiting for these illegal aliens to come, thinking to myself, I'm doing a job that is so important, but yet so dangerous. My father, who I hold at the highest level, thinks that's crazy. <laughs> I had such pride in that moment because I was, I was doing something that took a lot of courage to do that. Yeah. These politicians, AOC and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell and, and Biden that call me <coughs> racist and I'm a xenophobe. They, I could do their job with my eyes closed. They could never in a hundred lifetimes do what I did on just one night. Yep. So that stands out as something I'm very proud of in a, in, in a moment that I share with my father. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I think people really need to hear these stories uh, to, to appreciate how important your work is, how important our borders are. Um, have you ever faced any retaliation for speaking out, JJ? <sighs> Not directly yet. I mean, I get the, you're a racist on, on, uh, Twitter or whatever. I, I don't really care about all that stuff. Yeah. The craziest thing that's happened to me is I had a very popular, large independent publishing house that signed me to, to, to publish my book. And uh-huh. then they censored me. My own publishing company <laughs> censored me because half of their workforce would not work on my book. And then when they published my book, after I signed off on the final draft where it has everything, like their trademark, their name, all that, unbelievably, they stripped away their name and everything and published my book as if I published it independently. Wow. They wouldn't, pub, they wouldn't give me any public relations or anything. So I had to fight to get my, my rights back to my book, which I did, and had to publish it independently on my own, which it was very wow. arduous. Oh, um, yeah. Professionally, this is a new profession for me, so I'm learning. But professionally, it was very uh, frustrating and oh, sad yeah. that I would be censored by my own publisher. But it just reinforced <laughs> my belief that what I'm speaking is the truth. Right. A lot of times, people don't want to hear the truth for right. whatever reason. It makes you wonder, did, did the ones that got upset about it, did they even bother to read your book themselves? I don't know. You have to wonder. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and it's amazing. And and what was even more amazing is the president of the the publishing house sent me an email saying, we're not going to help you, even though I believe in everything that you're saying. And I'm like, wow. And I think this is a perfect example of what's wrong in this, in the country of America is people are remaining silent out of fear of being canceled, being called vile names. And we are now in the position in America we are because of so many men have remained silent in the face of absurdity, lawlessness, and treason. And I will not be one of those men. 
Good on you. Good on you, brother. I keep doing it. Um, and I, I keep saying too, that, you know, evil happens not because, uh, there's always evil, but it's, it occurs because, you know, good men are silent. Um, and that's probably the most important thing we can do is as Americans is to stand up, do something, say something about it. Don't ignore it, you know, call out the corruption and the corrupt politicians. What else would you recommend? Well, obviously buy your book, uh, invaded is the title. Yes, to to support destruction. Yep. Invaded the intentional destruction of the American immigration system. And right. you can get it at Amazon.com or you can go to my website, jjcarroll.com, and I have a, a link right to it. Um, and if you could support me, that'd be great. Uh, my Absolutely. My has been number one for new releases on immigration for uh, about two weeks now. So it's something I'm proud of. Uh, I don't just write chapters and chapters of what's wrong, which I do, um, because it needs to be said. But my final chapter is about solutions and yeah, um, that was America my my question. Yeah, what what can Americans do about it? What's what would you say one or two practical things are that we could take action? Well, you know, when you look at the complexities of the border issue, it's intentionally complex, but it's layered with corruption and treason and uh, abuses. But ironically, the solutions are simple. It's very simple. You build a wall, right? Just and this right. is what. This is what Trump's done, right? And, and I've had this question back at me. Well, do you think a wall works? And my, my response is, do you have doors on your home or in your apartment? <laughs> right. Do you think that you're going to sleep okay if I came and I ripped your front door off its hinges and you had no door? You, you wouldn't sleep well at night. So a country is like a house. You, you have to protect. Right. Right. No, brilliant. Brilliant. What we're going to do we're going to do immediately. And at the same time, we're not doing steps. Build the border wall, shut it down, force the southern, the southern nations, remove their money, financial aid, foreign aid, which Trump did, get them in line, create E-Verify. Everyone that's in the DHS system right now for asylum, parole, whatever, you're gone. Get out. We're going to start over. And then everyone that's yep. illegal in our country, you have one week to leave. Yeah. And if you don't leave and we arrest you, you are going to be tagged in our system to never, ever be allowed back into America under no circumstances. That yep. has already been done in previous presidential administration. It was called Operation Wetback. Very, very not politically correct. That's the, <laughs> yep. the historical term they used. Right. Millions of illegal aliens left out of fear that they would never be allowed back into America. So don't tell me it can't be done. But you build a wall. You put a military. If I can send my military to the Ukraine and send $150 billion right. to Ukraine to secure their nation, exactly. we can send our military down there. If we're going to spend a trillion to $2 trillion in the Middle East for Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, Syria, if we can spend trillions, you can spend a little money and put our military on our border to secure us. The irrationality, the corruption, the treason, that has transpired to make American sovereignty disappear. Historians are going to write volumes, volumes about this 100 years from now. Oh, absolutely. I, I think we are living in one of the most historic times 
in the history of, of America, possibly the world. I really believe that. I agree. Um, and it's, it's kind of, I don't know, stunning to, to sit here and, and let that sink in. But it's true, folks. Um, and we, we need to take action. Um, I, I also believe, you know, as personally, as a Christian, I think that there's a spiritual battle going on. And I think we've fallen away from the morals that we once had as a country. I think that's a, a big part of it. We definitely need to stand up and, and like I keep saying, you know, do the right thing. Don't look the other way. But, uh, yeah, well, JJ, I I really appreciate your time and, uh, sharing your inside information on uh, what's actually going on at the border. Folks, please be sure to subscribe and get the show notes for this episode at libertynow.com. Um, I'll put a link there, uh, JJ up for your book invaded. Thank you. And, uh, is there anything else that folks can do to support you and your work? Uh, I have a Substack account at jjcarroll.substack.com where I write weekly, uh, sometimes twice a week about uh, the current events on the border and, and give an explanation what the, the mainstream media refuses to do. But I appreciate you giving me this time, this long-term format uh, to be able to, to really dive into the reasons behind the treason that we are witnessing now in America. So thank you very much. Yeah, no, I appreciate you, brother. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. All right, folks, uh, until next time, this is John Verd with Liberty Now. Remember to be good, do the right thing, and keep asking questions.